It's like when you come home and you're you're excited about a you got a ninety on your test. Mm-hmm. Parents are like, can be better. Why yeah. wasn't it a hundred? You're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo podcast with your hosts Andrew Chang and Justin Goddard. Hello and welcome to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the Built-In Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew Chang, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host Justin Goddard. Tonight, we have to talk about the Buffalo Bills taking another L to the Tennessee Titans on primetime. Final score of 34-31, to and we'll talk about all the highlights, the lowlights, just our overall takes um, from all the position groups and just how we feel in general about this game. Uh, but before we get into all that, you can find us on most social media and podcasting platforms and even on YouTube by searching up the Wanting Buffalo podcast. And you can always find other amazing shows and content. At, and you know they're going to talk about this game <laughs> highly uh, with our other content creators here at the Buffalo Built-In Buffalo Network. So definitely check out them. They do amazing work over there. But Justin... I know that game was tough last night, and we were fortunate enough to watch it with each other. Are you feeling a little better today than than last night? Yeah, I definitely left last night in a bit of a mood, and you know, after having slept on it, it it wasn't like an egregious loss, and mm-hmm. it, it was a fun game to watch. It was a little stressful, but you know we've had worse losses in the past 20 years and ones that stung more definitely definitely one that hurt definitely one i think we should have came home with a w with but i have reasons why it's it's not the most upsetting thing that i've seen and and after a night of sleeping on it I, i'm back to a level playing field how about you did you get your heart rate back down <laughs> So what Justin's alluding to, we, we were, as I mentioned, we were fortunate enough to watch the game with each other last night, and at I think it was at the second to last drive, I was like, you know what, I, I feel like my heart rate's going pretty high right now. Let me let me check this out. So I pull out my Apple Watch here, and I, you know, decide to you know just look at where my heart rate is, and it usually rests at rests at around a sixty ish, and it progressed all the way up to like 120, 130, and it was intense for me. It, it was a game that I personally thought um, was, if you're not even a fan of the game, that's an instant classic kind of a game. You know, if if, if I didn't was kind of on the fence about liking football and I watched the game, I'd be like, nah, this sport is great. So kudos to the Titans. You know, they they pulled it out, and they made a play when it mattered the most. Um, but, yeah, this one stung, and, you know, second day, or, uh, you know, not even 24 hours removed from it, I still feel okay. You know, it, it's football. Things happen, and I think other plays have hurt me more. <laughs> Hail Murray. But uh, it is what it is. <laughs> so... We're going to get into this re, uh, game recap here, and we put a poll out on Twitter on who's who's to blame for this, and we put out offense, defense, and coaching and penalties. 
no surprise here in my opinion 74.2% of voters said it was defense the next closest was 22.6% coaching and penalties and then lastly at 3.2% was offense I can't find a real reason to disagree with the defense. It, they just didn't seem to be in check, right? You know, King Henry had their way with them. And then Tannerhill just, it just made Tannerhill be able to throw the ball all over the field. A.J. Brown all of a sudden just had his reawakening, who I didn't think was going to be a factor coming off of an injury and also being sick for, like from food poisoning but he almost caught uh 10 targets for 100 yards so overall I, I i it's hard for me to say that you know the bills defense had had a great day out there yeah and for for me i'm not really never really one to try to assign too much blame in one area mm-hmm. it's a team sport right so there's going to be weeks where the defense carries the offense more and vice versa. And, you know, in that game, if, if I had to pick somebody, yeah, I, I have to shift it more to the defense. Hmm. Um, but it was also a week where, you know, maybe they, they just needed the special teams to help them out with a play or hmm. the offense to get that one extra play. Uh, I mean, I think the, the range this team should be looking at is holding other teams in like the 26 to 27 range. I think if you do that on most weeks, our offense is going to be able to do enough to win the game. Um, so yeah, I, if I had to put it on somebody, I'd put it on the defense. I don't, I don't think they had the greatest showing yesterday. Yeah, one one Twitter voter made a comment saying like, "Why is there not a select all the above option?" And I, you know, that that's a great point. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure. It's, they would have picked it if that was possible. <laughs> and, um, you know, I wouldn't blame them for that. Although, again, I, I think the offense did a relatively good job. And speaking of offense, you know we have to start with Josh Allen. So Josh Allen went 35 of 47, and that's good for 74.5% completion percentage, 353 passing yards, a QB, rate, a QB rating of 107, three touchdowns, one interception, and I'll just say overall, it was a great slash good game from Allen, and it I I just love what he does for this team, but he can't do it all, right? I I think about that play where he was trying to set up the um, first and goal, but he you know he got stopped short of the first down and which inevitably led to the fourth and inches QB sneak that we didn't convert, but he, he's willing to do whatever it takes to win for win the game for the bills. And he put his body on the line, like sidestep someone got tackled low and hit, got hit high. And I, I just love Josh Allen. And this game just shows me that he's willing to do whatever it takes to get that W so I'm very happy with Josh Allen right now. Yeah, it was kind of like a, I felt like a like quiet, weird, really good game for him. Right. There, there wasn't really a point in the game where I was like, wow, he's really lighting them up. But then you, you kind of look at it in hindsight and, you know, throwing it almost 50 times and he had 12 incompletions, you know, over 350 yards. He has a receiving touchdown in there. You know, it, 
or I'm sorry, the two point conversion. Um, you know, he was doing a little bit of everything and it's hard to really fault him even on the interception that he had. Yeah. He looked like he was, he was staying with his down the field targets a bit too long there. Maybe should have switched it up to something shorter there. Um, but I mean, he's still got, he still got whacked pretty good, pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And that I told you when we were watching the game, that ball through all that contact still almost made it to Zach Moss. So I think overall he had a very good game. Um, you alluded to it there. My favorite play from him the whole game was that, you know, he's diving for the first down. He comes up short, but it, it reminded me of John Elway in the Super Bowl against the Packers when he was running up the middle and helicopters himself, just, just trying to make a play to win the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that kind of hard is what I love most about Josh Allen is, you know, that's infectious with teammates. He's never going to be asking you to do your part of the game that he's not willing to do himself. And mm-hmm. I'd like to see him not take hits like that, but it's nice to know that, you know, when the game's on the line and everything's in the balance, he's willing to go out there and try it. Yeah. And, you know, the announcers made a big deal about how the Titans defense was able to make him roll out to his left as opposed to his right. And I'm pretty sure Joe Marino on Locked on Bills was asked, you know, multiple times, like, hey, if you were a defensive coordinator, how would you scheme up against Josh Allen? And I'm pretty sure he made that a point of emphasis now, again, Josh Allen had a really, you know, good day statistically. And in hindsight, it he, he had a lot better of a day than I originally thought just because of how close this game was. I, I guess I was more focused on the defense and not so much about Josh Allen, which is really nice to say for once because I don't got to worry about our quarterback play too much. <laughs> but uh, the fact that the announcers are making a big deal of it and I guess it seemed to be working a little bit. Do you do you buy any of that stock there, Justin? Um, I do, and it's it's more for me that when Josh is rolling to his right, he almost feels better when he's on the move to the right mm-hmm. and the play breaks down and he can extend the play that way and he throws the ball back across his body. And just going to the left, it's it's a more difficult situation to get your feet back under you, get the ball out in time and all that. True. Um, so I, I think there is merit to it. And I also like has adapted and overcome all the things that were, you know, his his shortcomings coming up in the league. You know, it it was first, you know, he he couldn't beat man coverage. Well, he started making you pay against that. So people switched the zone. He started figuring out how to pick apart the zone. So, oh, well, we're going to throw a bunch of blitzers at him. Figured out where the blitz is coming from is where the open guy is. You know, it's it's one thing after another that defenses try to throw different things his way. And you know he's getting right back to work at practice. And mm-hmm. he's not even going to roll, roll right the entire week of practice. He's going to work on everything to the left because, you know, maybe he thinks – that's going to be the book on him and it's just going to be the next step that he has to overcome and and I have full faith that he'll do it. Yeah, and I thought about I didn't really share this thought but with you last night but what quarterback wouldn't have trouble rolling out to their left, squaring up their hips, getting their feet underneath them and throwing on the run. That's a pretty 
hard thing to do and ask for your quarterback. So I, it's kind of like, yeah, of course that's going to be a much harder throw than for him to roll out to his right. And we've seen Allen make that kind of throw before. Remember last year the against the Rams where he rolled out to his left, hit Gabriel Davis on that long post route, and then – Again, Monday Night Football with Stefan Diggs on his third touchdown, rolling out to his left. It would, he can do it. Josh Allen can literally do it. So I I take back what I said. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think Josh Allen will work on it because he's got that growth mentality aspect. And, hey, maybe this will be a blessing in disguise. There's Josh Allen has too many, too many options on the table for you to handcuff him. And... I guess this is where the last talking point I, I want to get to Allen is it seemed like last night Allen had a little bit of that aspect where he would try to find the big play, especially towards the end of the game. And yeah, I remember you and me, there was one point where I saw Knox open. I was like, Knox, Knox, Knox. Knox. And like a full second and a half went by. I was like, Knox. And then Allen's still looking, and he's like, all right, Knox. <laughs> so I I have respect for him because he's not willing to take the check down so much. But it's just like sometimes with me, and I'm not criticizing him whatsoever, but maybe there's an opportunity to, you know, take the check down or, you know, take what the defense gives him. But in a way, if you do that, does that, take away from who Josh Allen is and what makes him so great? I, I don't know. Yeah, I have kind of conflicting feelings on this because I I think it's part of like where his most ridiculous plays come in. Um, but there's also, for me, it seems like in particular, like when they take a penalty or a big sack and mm-hmm. they're behind the sticks and it's, you know, second and 20, um, he seems to me to have a propensity to try to get it all back in one play mm-hmm. and not be looking at it so much as like, well, if we pick up eight, nine yards here, then we're back to third and 10. We, we pick up 10 yards all the time, and, you know, looking at it more in, in two plays. Uh, it seems like when a mistake like that happens, you get a holding call or something that, that brings back a big play. It seems like the next play, he wants to get that play right back. And, mm-hmm. I don't really have a problem with him doing that. I just think that it's not always the best option and that that little bit of in-between of taking the profits um, would, would just take him to a whole nother level. Um, it's a lot lot harder than I'm just saying it, you know, going through your second, third, fourth reads. There's right. a reason I'm sitting here. So I don't have much criticism for that, just kind of just a, a, a little thing I noticed, yeah. Yeah, and it... At the end of the day, Allen, like I said, he's got a growth mindset, and I'm confident he'll, you know, take mental notes and about how he can be better from this loss, especially with the bye week <laughs> settling on on him. So he's got extra time to, you know, really stew over it, and it just feels so weird to say, like, I think he can be better, but he just got done throwing for 350 yards and completing about 75% of his passes and three touchdowns (laughs) and one interception that was kind of not really his fault in my opinion but uh 
it is what it is. So it, it's a it's a good problem to have. <laughs> it's, it's like when you come home and you're you're excited about a you got a ninety on your test. Mm-hmm. Parents are like, can be better. Why yeah. wasn't it a hundred? Yeah, ba- story of my life, quite literally. I'm just like, okay, I, I realize I'm not good enough. <laughs> um, all right, let's transition to the offensive line here. And, I mean, they got got for sure sometimes. But it's hard to say if there were if, – if the offensive line itself was completely terrible considering um, how much – I how hard it would – probably is to play offensive lineman for Josh Allen especially when he starts moving hard left and right cuz you you're you're as an offensive lineman you're you're in front right you're you're looking at the person in front of you if Josh Allen rolls out left you don't really know that until you look behind you and you're like oh he's all the way over there like so it, offensive line play here i i think that they did okay i would have liked better off, I would have liked more out of Feliciano and Morris here. I Spencer Brown, you know, we we definitely got to talk about him. He, we went through some rookie, rookie moments there, uh, which eventually led to his uh, Josh Allen's interception. But overall, I don't know what to think about this offensive line, and. I just got to wait for someone to break the tape down because I'm too stupid to, to know what I'm looking at at this moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Offensive line is it's one that I struggle with, especially just on, you know, first watch. Your, your eyes want to follow the ball, and you got to kind of watch it again to really get an idea. Um, but what I did notice during the game is it, it kind of reminded me a lot of Pittsburgh's game plan on the D-line where mm-hmm. – it wasn't so much seeing our linemen get beat straight up, you know, facing somebody man up. Um, it seems like we were getting beat more on stunts and blitzes and kind of the gaps changing in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's, you know, a lack of communication, uh, just not being able to get to the spots when, when things start changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I haven't had the, the opportunity to rewatch this game with it just having happened last night, but... That, that was my overwhelming theme is, you know, Brown got beat straight up on bull rushes a couple times, and, and we're going to have to deal with that with a, a rookie tackle. It's going to happen. Um, but what's more concerning with me is the the stunts and the pressures that come right up the middle and, and don't really give Josh Allen an opportunity to step up or move the pocket. Um, and I think that's... I think overall they played a pretty decent game, but there's definitely room to clean some things up on the interior. Yeah, and Spencer Brown, again, it was a hard game. You're asking him to go up against Bud Dupree, who was a highly targeted free agent defensive end for Pittsburgh. And I think he did okay wasn't his best game but there were still moments where spencer brown held up pretty well uh again i liked him in the run game with his tenacity pushing people uh there was one play where moss was kind of standing still and then eventually fell and then you just see spencer just come over the top to push push uh 
Zach Moss, but he missed Zach Moss and just completely laid out the defensive player on the other side. You just heard a, and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) it it was great. Um, I, I really enjoyed Spencer Brown out there and yeah, he got beat, uh, to the point where he let Bud Dupree get a hand on Allen, which caused the interception. So that's why I said, you know, I, I don't really think it was Josh Allen's fault, but these are rookie growing pains. He'll get over it. And then with Dion and Feliciano and, you know, well, well let me stick with the interior. When it comes to Mitch Morris, Darrell Williams, and Feliciano, I'm more worried about Feliciano. He's definitely the weak chain on the link here. And they, the announcers even said, like, they're running a lot of stunts and games, and it Feliciano lost a lot of weight. And when a defensive lineman came in with a running start and hit him, it literally looked like it shot him back into, like, a couple of yards, which put instant pressure on Allen. And I, I don't know. I think Morris did okay, although I would like more out of him. But he has been playing really good lately. Darrell Williams didn't really notice too much from him, uh, but uh, but Dion he did good outside of the you know getting beat on that fourth and inches play. So it is what it is. Uh, but like I said, overall I I just need to watch the tape because I, I have to see what what's going on and what real what really happened and how Tennessee uh, disrupted this offensive line. Yeah, and. I agree with you 100%. I think Feliciano is the weak link on this offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it stands now, I I feel like we need to find a way to overcome that with Feliciano in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they thought they had a better option, it would have already happened. You know, we got to see Botker play when Feliciano was out with an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think if he impressed them enough, he'd still be in the starting lineup, I think, that job was kind of up for grabs at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to pivot back to Cody Ford, and then we have some kind of journeyman depth pieces there. Um, so I think kind of as it stands in the season right now, you know, we can talk about trade deadline targets and, you know, what you'd go after. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Feliciano's position is easily our most upgradable spot on the roster. Uh, but then you have to kind of – look across the rest of the league you know it's not unique to the buffalo bills struggling to find good guard play you see that all across the league Um, so not only do you have to find somebody that you think is an upgrade you have to find a willing trade partner that's willing to let that go and i just don't see a likely outcome where it's a position that we can upgrade in season Mm -hmm. um so i think it is what it is for right now we got to try to do the best we can to kind of hide that that deficiency right so let's move on to the tight ends and we we know Dawson Knox didn't finish the game and you know initially watching and not knowing that he broke a bone in his hand I thought to myself I was like whoa for a former quarterback that was a pretty bad throw like I could have done something better than that, but then you find out he he had a broken hand and still was able to launch a football probably further than most people could say they, they could do and throw a better spiral than most. So, uh, hey, I'll give him a pass there, pun intended. Hmm. So, <laughs> and you know, uh, I I think my favorite play out of that 
entire tight end room was either that pass to uh, Josh Allen or quite literally seeing Tommy Sweeney catch a pass, a perfect pass, man, from Josh Allen. So overall, I think they did okay, and it's hard to really give them any flack considering half of the tight end room went out due to injury. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the tight ends did good. We just need Knox to get back and healthy. Yeah, uh, our producer Jake gave me a, a fun little tidbit about that Dawson Knox uh, pass to Josh Allen. Um, so he he showed me um, basically Josh Allen wanted to change out of the play um, because oh, yeah. Knox's hand had already been hurt, and Knox was like, nah, I got this. <laughs> and and they go ahead and run it, and it was a great play. I, I would have liked maybe, maybe that's one that we could have kept in the back pocket for for a real game winner or something like that, but love the play. Um, overall, I was very satisfied with the tight ends. My my favorite play from the tight end room was actually um, a play that never was, um, that the Dawson Knox little jet sweep that ended up going for a touchdown that got called back. I, I understand it's not a play that's going to show up in the stats because it never technically happened, um, but we've seen that play with him before, and I just think with with his size and physical abilities, that's the type of play that we need to sprinkle in once in a while because he's getting that ball in his hands with a full head of steam and blockers in front of him. And, you know, if, if they take care of their blocking assignments and he ends up in the secondary with a cornerback one-on-one, I'll take my chances in that battle. And I, I think it's a great creative way to get him some extra touches and – I really like that play. I like seeing that. Yeah, definitely creative uh, play calling there. Let's move on to the receivers. So uh, overall, I think the receivers did fantastic. They did everything that they could to get a W here. And even Beasley got involved, which kind of feels weird to say because, you know, the past couple of games it just seemed outside of his high, target high uh, 11 catches or 11 targets he was kind of just not really in the game plan for a little bit, or at least it felt that way. And this week was much different, and Beasley had a quiet eight or nine catches, I think, or something like that for like 70 yards, 80 yards or something uh, to that effect, which I was like, oh, really? It, it just, I definitely didn't even notice the how much Allen was spreading the ball in front of my eyes until I looked at the box score. Obviously, my my favorite play is going to be the touchdown to Diggs, and consequently, my least favorite play was, you know, the the play that didn't happen, the Sanders hold. Uh, I I didn't like that hold and. It was. I thought it was a little obvious and easy for the reps to point out. So, not not great for Sanders to get that hold. But if if he would have blocked him a little cleaner, we're talking about seven instead of three. So, yeah. Yeah, I I think the receivers overall had a, a good game. Uh, the only real complaints I have is, and it feels weird saying it. You know, when we threw for three hundred and fifty yards, um, but. With them already having kind of a weak secondary and then some injuries start popping up, I think in the second half we started kind of pressing them a little bit more. 
but I I would have liked to see earlier in the game, and I don't necessarily know how much I can put this on the wide receivers. Uh, it seems like we kind of came out to start the game with like an aggressive game plan and then got timid and kind of set us up to settle for those field goals early. And I really wanted to see them come out with their foot on the gas. I think if you if you come out in those first two series and you go up 14 nothing instead of 6 nothing, you really take Derrick Henry in the run game out of the game a lot earlier. Um, not to say they're going to completely abandon it, but it, it changes the whole philosophy. Um, so I, I guess I would have liked to see them be able to beat up the secondary a little bit more. But again, we're saying that with Josh Allen facing pressure all day and still throwing for 350 yards. Um, and I guess my least favorite play would be, and I guess maybe the, maybe the digs miss in the end zone and, I can't really put that too much on him. The ball was, yeah. you know, very low in a way. But I, I turned to you and, and told you right in that moment, like, you give that play to Diggs 10 more times, he's catching it 7 out of 10 times. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was within his catch radius, and it, it's a ridiculous play to ask somebody to do, but it's also the type of play that you see Diggs make all the time. So yeah, it's a little ticky-tacky, but... Yeah, I, I'm not going to put that one on Diggs because it, it was pretty low and out to his left. Um, and, yeah, Allen's got to do a, a little bit better job on uh, delivering it to Diggs a little more clean. But, again, that, that wasn't his fault. And I agree with you because had had Diggs anticipated that kind of throw or uh, that type of projection, he he definitely makes that catch easily seven out of ten times easily let's move on to the running backs um yeah they were there i guess they were i don't think they were necessarily effective and i i think we eventually kind of went away from it and started throwing the football a lot more hence why Allen threw 47 passes (laughs) uh if the best play was obviously Singletary's 14-yard burst. And then you saw them kind of go away from Singletary and bring Moss in for pass protections because, you know, they were send, uh, the Tennessee Titans were sending some intricate-looking blitzes with some cornerbacks, so they wanted some extra protection. So it makes sense why we didn't see Singletary too much. Um, but I, I guess that's why that's my least favorite thing about the running back group is that it's almost obvious when we're trying to be one-dimensional at this point if you see moss go in <laughs> and you see him uh stay in the backfield like you know what his assignment is he, he's probably not going to leak out too much like he, he's there to keep Allen clean no one's blocking him then he might leak out um but yeah i i think that overall we got one-dimensional so we didn't really see too much out of the running backs yeah, I don't really have much to say on the running backs this week. I mean, we had Singletary had five catches, netted 16 yards. You know, it's a nice addition, but when you're when you're talking about the running back room and between our two main running backs, they had 13 carries. And then you have Josh Allen, who took nine carries. Um, the running backs really weren't any sort of focal point in this. 
Um, I, I just feel like we were running pretty decent with Singletary early, and he averaged about five yards per carry. But, again, you're talking on, what, eight, nine carries and that with a long of 14. So, I mean, overall they just weren't very effective in the run game. Um, but they, they also didn't have a ton of chances. So I, I really don't have yeah. much on the, the running game this week. Yeah. And it's uh, it's still work in progress. Remember, again, second week this offensive live and combo gets trod out. So they're still figuring each other out, in my opinion. Um, but let's transition to special teams. I, I got to say my favorite thing that I saw with special teams was – the fact that Tyler Bass was very purposeful in the fact that he wanted the returner to take the ball out. And it was consistent that they didn't get 25 yards, I, I think, on a return. I, there was one where they got to, like, the 35. But all in all, it, it, I, I made this comment during when we were watching the game last night, and I was like, I love the fact that McDermott, is so gritty that he doesn't want to give you an inch, even on a kickoff. He's he makes you want to work for that twenty-five, and if it's twenty-four yards, he's satisfied with it. So that's what I really like <laughs> from the special teams play uh, last night. And obviously, I'm going to talk about the hold on Andre Smith. Uh, can't do it, but hey, it is what it is, and. There were there were holds on other players on this team, so I I, I can't really be too upset with them. Yeah, it's it's funny you bring up the the kicking game because we we spent probably more time last night discussing the kickoffs than I've ever spent talking about kickoffs. But yeah, it it seems like some weeks their their game plan is to kick it through the end zone, and I just really love that. I would like for every kick to be like one yard into the end zone, make them think for a second whether or not they should take it out. And if they do get down there and cover it, I, I just think the the benefits to making them return a kick far outweigh, you know, kicking it through the end zone. You know, you don't often see one get broken off for a return for a touchdown, especially with the new blocking rules. Mm-hmm. And then you factor in, you know, you can keep them short of the 25 you have those high speed collisions that you know you see more fumbles on plays like that and whatnot so mm-hmm. i really do like that strategy i'd like to see that on on damn near every kick and as far as the play with um the andre smith hold there same as you i don't i can't really like overly fault him for it it's you know a play that happens in football it is what it is my my bigger problem with it is he had two two penalties like that in the game mm-hmm. and for a team that's dressing as many, you know, quote unquote special teams only players, I I don't want to see them have a great impact on the game in, in a negative way. Um I think I think you need the consistency out of special teams and and the mistake-free aspect of it if you're if you're contributing that many assets to it because it's a game where you know you have Medikavich, Klein, Dodson, um, Andre Smith, all as you know Kumaro, all as special teams only players. 
if you make any one of those players inactive, maybe we're talking about Epinesa or Basham being in the game and, and what effect they could have had. So I don't necessarily fault him for it, but at the same time, if we're going to be contributing that many assets to the special teams, we need it to be damn near flawless. Right. And hey, Kumro did catch a pass in this game. It was out of bounds, but he still caught a pass. So Brought it down. <laughs> he definitely brought it down. Well, that's going to wrap up our offensive recap of the loss to the Tennessee Titans. Give us a break. We'll be right back, and we'll be back to talk about the defensive struggles in this game. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to wrap up today's recap episode of the loss to the Tennessee Titans by talking about this defense. And, Justin, you know how I do this every every time. I'm just going to list off some stats here, and you just tell me how you feel real quick. 53 tackles, 41 solo tackles, 0 sacks, 3 tackles for loss, 2 QB hits, 3 pass breakups, 34 points allowed. Uh, I'm I'm feeling weird. Um, I I've said before I don't think that our defense is necessarily as good as as we're showing with you know the the two shutouts in four weeks. I think there was definitely room to regress a bit there. Uh, I think we've been playing very opportunistic defense and capitalizing on a lot of turnovers that kind of inflate the numbers. Um, but it, it seems like they went into this game with with a game plan of shutting down Derrick Henry. And I know, you know, looking at the numbers afterwards, it looks like we really failed at that. Um, but it, if you take away that one run, it was a 76-yard touchdown. You know, you're talking about you held them to about 80 yards and and I think that's a a pretty good job of you know limiting him mm-hmm. obviously it doesn't work that way you can't just take out the one run um but where where I kind of have mixed emotions on this game is having both Epinesa and Basham inactive um when it, it's a game where we got very little pressure we got no sacks and it's against an offensive line that's really been struggling. They went into the game allowing 20 sacks um, thus far this season. So that's like my my major criticism of the coaching, and I don't even really disagree with it. I I think they had a good game plan for for slowing down the run. I just Epinesa in particular is a guy that I don't want to see inactive on a game day. Yeah, so let's talk about the defensive line here, and you already kind of gave your thoughts. Um, so I get why they didn't have them inactive, and I also don't get it. You have you who, was Vernon Butler in there? Am I making that up? Was he, was he active? Uh, no. No, I know Harrison Phillips was, and I think they that was purposeful. Harrison Phillips was a scratch for the last two two games, I believe, and I think they wanted to beef up the interior depth of this defensive line as opposed to the edges, and consequently, as a result, 
you saw Mario Asin play a lot more than he has in the first five games, and there were moments where he got burned, and I, I guess that's where my least favorite play was, which was the fact that you know he got stiff armed by Derrick Henry. But uh, hey, he did his job because it slowed Henry down enough so Tremaine Edmonds could get to him. And I don't really have a favorite play out of this group because they had zero sacks, right? And you know, you you could also look at Rousseau because his run defense was a little sus here. He was a little wide with his rush angles, didn't contain super, super well uh, on setting the edge. And just like Spencer Brown, he's a rookie. These are growing pains. And I thought it was, it raised my eyebrows that AJ Epinesa didn't start. But they, I guess they were just more concerned about the interior depth and uh, plugging up all the holes because Starley too, like, I, I'd imagine they just thought Stark just couldn't necessarily do it all by himself. But, um, hey, it is what it is. Oh, and, you know, F.A. Obata was in there too, and we know he's got inside-outside versatility, so they probably thought, okay, well, Epinesa can't do inside-outside, so he's more one-dimensional. Why don't we have F.A. in there so he can kind of be that flip-flop piece, but he didn't really impact the game, I think, as much as the Bills wanted to. Yeah, I get it to an extent why they did it. I I don't necessarily agree with it, but it is what it is. Hindsight's twenty twenty. all that. Yeah. I just, in a game where we couldn't really get pressure, I think, you know, Epinesa gives us a little boost there. Um, overall, they they didn't really impress me on too many plays. It was kind of a, a ho-hum game for them um the, my least favorite play was and i don't want to lump on russo too much because he's been having a good season thus far but on that derrick henry run it he really got himself up field and and just really over pursued that play and just opened up a gigantic cutback lane for derrick henry and he just you know yeah. the rest is history and I can't put that whole play on him because, you know, there's 10 other guys that are supposed to be making the tackle too, but it, it really opened up the window on that play. Right. Let's transition to linebackers here. And, you know, overall, I think the linebackers played pretty well. Um, Edmonds did a very good job with King Henry. He stood him up a couple of times, tackled him, pushed him backwards, helped uh, – keep him in place so other teammates could rally and tackle him and oh man I I, th- I just think Edmonds had a really really strong game really really strong and, it, and it's really nice to see him that be validated within the Bills community because or Bills Mafia's community because Edmonds is kind of like a weird situation you either love him or hate him I, I don't understand why I, I, I think he's a great um but that's just my personal opinion. And yeah, I, 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 real quick, one thing I didn't like about this game plan, and I can't give too much hate to the linebackers here, was that they were pretty susceptible to play action, which all linebackers really are. And 
the fact that they the Bills defense in general couldn't stop the run made the linebackers pass coverage against play action that much worse. So it's kind of like I guess I have to be upset with you with your pass coverage, but it's not really your fault, but it is your fault. Catch 22. Yeah, I, I think it, it was like about three weeks ago I kind of gave my little piece on, you know, why I wasn't fully sold on Edmonds, and he's proved me wrong the last three weeks as far as I'm concerned. It's kind of like all the little all the little things that I, I brought up. Um, yesterday I think he had a great game. I I feel like that was his best game of the season maybe the best game I've seen out of him as a bill. I mean, he was really laying some lumber there. It wasn't really just, you know, taking on Derrick Henry and, and sticking with him till he got to the ground. There was a few plays in there where he really popped Derrick Henry and kind of stood him up and, and you don't see many players in the league be able to take on Derrick Henry like that. So I was very impressed with him yesterday. I thought Milano kind of had a quiet day, a good game. Uh, I mean, Nothing super spectacular, but Edmonds really impressed me yesterday. Yeah. Well, hey, Milano was out there, and he was healthy, so I'm A-OK with that. And, you know, uh, could have been better, but unfortunately we're not talking about that. (laughs) Let's transition to the cornerbacks here. And, you know, they were – it was a quiet day for them in a good way, but it also wasn't quiet right so they didn't let a passing touchdown in so that's that's something I really liked but at the same time AJ Brown and I forgot who no name very like very low wide receiver um wide receiver the Titans had but all of a sudden he became a factor late in the game and all I could think to myself was why why is this happening? Like, <laughs> quite literally. And I felt like they were picking on Levi a little bit. We saw the long pass to Julio, but and I'm not going to really fault Micah Hyde for that, and he's not really in this quarter, um, cornerback room discussion that we're talking about. But Julio had a Julio-like play. We know he didn't finish the game. But A.J. Brown, when they needed a play, they went right to him, and I, I think Levi kind of got got a, a couple times. Yeah, I feel like the secondary was the tale of two halves yesterday. And I think overall, the numbers don't look that impressive for Tannehill. Um, But I think he kind of went to work in the second half. And I'm pretty sure A.J. Brown was held without a catch in the first half. Yep. And then, so when you look at his numbers, you know, seven receptions, 90 yards, and all that coming in the second half, it just kind of shows that they, they figured out where where they could take advantage of us and mm-hmm. did it often. Um, I don't think our secondary had a terrible game, um, but I think Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are the type of receivers that we really see our team struggle with at times, where big it's boys. kind of like, yeah, the big boys that they'll get you at the catch point, but they also got some quickness to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the big physical receivers seem to be the type that we really struggle with right right let's transition to the last group here and that's safeties right um pull your pick that's definitely the best 
the best play in my opinion. <laughs> he just completely read Tannehill. It, it was too easy for Poyer. And my least favorite play has to be the Micah Hyde ang angle that eventually led to that 70-yard King Henry touchdown. He, like, went straight and then cut hard to his right. Um, not ideal, but you don't ever really see Micah make a mistake like that, so I'm not going to give it give him too much gripe for that because he's so good and has been playing out of his mind this year. So it is what it is. Yeah, my my favorite play from the safeties actually wasn't the player interception, and it, it's going to mm. sound strange, but my favorite play from the safeties was Micah Hyde uh, on a play – Derrick Henry breaks through the second level, and it's it's Micah oh, Hyde standing yeah. between King Henry and the end zone, and he got trucked. <laughs> but he squares <laughs> up, and you don't see many safeties take on Derrick Henry like that. And, yeah, he got blasted and ran straight through, but he got mm -hmm. the ball carrier to the ground. And, you know, you hear it so much, the – the business decisions, especially, you know, with Zach Moss saying something about, you know, mm -hmm. making players make business decisions. But you usually see the business decisions going the other way where I'm not going to make that tackle because I don't want to get hurt type deal. Yeah. Like I squared him up and took on one of the most aggressive running backs that's ever played the game. So yeah. kudos to him for that. Yeah, definitely, definitely a good thing to know. And I'm pretty – didn't he have like a neck injury? like a couple of weeks ago yeah <laughs> he said he said i'm ready got this <laughs> just cracked his neck real quick he's like all right henry come on come at me all right let's transition to uh spotlight player of the game and for me it's got to be Edmonds. um yeah I, I just think he played really well yeah it's hard for me to go anywhere except Edmonds right now um just especially with my my doubt creeping up a couple weeks ago and him just absolutely shutting me up yesterday. So tip of the cap, Edmonds. Yeah. Oh, and we'll talk about this briefly, but did you think that it was the right call for uh, the Bills to go for it on that fourth and in inches? Uh, so, yes. I'll, I'll say I think it was the right call. I will say that I wouldn't have had the stones to make that call. If I was the head coach, I would have been kicking the field goal. Um, but I I think if you – this is one of the ones where I kind of had to sleep on it. And looking at it objectively, you know, you're so close to, to winning the game. Mm -hmm. You're facing an offense that after the first quarter, they scored on every possession they had except for their possession going into the half. Um, mm -hmm. So a team that you weren't slowing down and you have the opportunity right there. I agree with the decision and you can't look at it in hindsight and judge it on the result. You have to, you know, base it on the decision. And for 20 years, even going back to the beginning of McDermott, we complained about being too conservative and playing not mm -hmm. to lose and not playing to win. And he went out and, and made a decision on making a play to win. So didn't work out for us this time. And, and that's going to happen when you have that aggressive mindset, but I like the play call. Yeah, and just to echo what you said, we can't have it both ways, right? If if the play works and we get the first down, let alone or a touchdown, it, Sean McDermott looks like a genius. You know, everyone's like, oh, my God, that was the smartest move ever. And then the naysayers were like, 
well, it's fourth and inches, and you have a quarterback that historically went 13 of 14 on fourth and one or shorter, converting converting those type of downs. Why wouldn't you go for it? And I think that's what McDermott thought, right? You know, it it's better to give the ball to the best player on our entire team who has a history of doing this a chance and I think he was looking at this defense and go like okay we can't stop them right now we just can't do it our game plan isn't working and Henry's starting to hit Tannehill started flowing in the second half end the game right now Put it in. Put the ball in the best in your best player's hand, and go out there and make a play. And after it, after it didn't work, obviously I was, and probably most <laughs> uh, most Bills fans out out there was. It hurt. You know, I was heartbroken. I was like, oh my god, that sucked. My heart went heart rate. That's when it was at its peak at like one. 30 something and I was like that really hurt and I stewed on a little bit and I never hated McDermott for it and next gen stats even said like that was the right move so I I, I, I'm talking to you today to tell you I still if I was McDermott I would have gone for it and for those people who said, "Yeah, we would," I want to kick the field goal. Yeah, sure, fine. That that's fine. We can disagree, but at the end of the day, it it never happened, and we're on to the bye week and eventually the Dolphins for Halloween. So <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's gonna wrap up tonight's episode. Go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, and review our podcast as well as other amazing shows that you can find on the Built-in Buffalo Network. As always, Justin and I are looking for great people to join our show. And if you want to talk to us about what your thoughts are on uh, Win or W, we would love to have you on the show. Um, just because we love having great discussions and uh, making those kind of relationships out here. Uh, but as always, you can find our show by searching up the Wanting Buffalo podcast. But more importantly, where can the people find you, Justin? You can find me at jgods22 on all social media. And as always, you can find me by searching up two changs that's going to do it for today's episode i hope you have a good one remember can't do anything that the bills would do because you're not on the field and it's okay <laughs> on to the bye week let's go go, go bills, bills.